From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's the show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into all the things that we've been um, watching and or enjoying, hopefully. I'm, uh, I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. This week we are talking The Two Usuals, plus a Guatemalan horror film, the story of an alien warrior and his escapades on Earth, <laughs> and, of the, and Terry's final 80s Mexican slasher. Hell yeah. Woo! Um... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so um, tell me about this 80s Mexican slasher, Terry. All right. So it turns out that I probably should have started with this one and then uh, worked my way okay. up. Um, because this is actually the first of the... Uh, it's not his first film, but it's the first of the movies that Vinegar Syndrome had available. And I think it might be uh, the, the first of these, this sort of like horror trend that he took on in the 80s. Uh but this one is Cemetery of Terror. Okay. And again, it's by uh, Ruben uh, Galindo Jr. Uh, this might be my least favorite, <laughs> um, which is why I kind of <laughs> wish that I had started with it and not ended with it. If you are going to watch these three 
uh, the Nigger Syndrome releases, I would really recommend starting with this one and ending with his latest movie, which was Grave Robbers, the one that I actually really enjoyed. Uh, so this one, okay, Mary Beth, the, the premise on paper, this sounds really, really good. Um, okay. It's Halloween. Okay. A group of college students um, decide to, I, I guess, to hopefully get lucky with these girls, um, decide to steal a body from a local morgue. I'm oh, not you know, really that, sure what all girls want. Girls just want to have dead bodies from the morgue. I, I, I thought that was the case, but I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't quite sure. So I was, I was hoping you'd, you'd be able to educate myself. I was a little I was a little confused on how this this was going to work out because it well, it first started out that these guys were like, oh, yeah, we're going to have a, what they call a jet set party. The only word in English that's spoken in this in this movie, because it is it is in Spanish. But they're like, yeah, we're going to go to a jet set party. Except that it's not a jet set party. It's um, a party at some house by a cemetery that is empty. And it's just them and these the group of girls because the guys are trying to get lucky by lying to the girls, I guess. That, it was, so, a that it was like a party? Yeah, that it was going to be like a big party with a bunch of like famous people. Okay, if I rolled up to a fucking giant house and there was just three dudes and a dead body. Well, they haven't gotten the body yet. <laughs> oh, okay. I was like, I would run. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> goodbye. A goodbye. Yeah, I will next not to... be attending your party, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> it's next to a cemetery. And after, like, the guys are trying to get lucky with the girls and the girls are not having it, which fair um they decide <laughs> yeah. to i guess they're medical students and they decide to steal a body from a morgue okay quick aside how often does that actually happen do we think we should find people who are doctors who listen to this have well you, you know i've seen two movies now in the last month that have this as a plot point uh because that's also a plot point in the very beginning of uh terror train Oh. So I don't I don't know. Maybe that's why he will go to medical school to steal Ew. bodies. I mean, I, <laughs> but so I, I guess backing up anyway. a little bit in this abandoned house, they do find a book of incantations. And it's a satanic book because everything in all three of these movies is about Satan and religion. Okay. Um, and so I guess they decide to take the body to the cemetery and perform this, incant this incantation, okay. and they bring the body back to life. Unfortunately oh. for them, he was a vicious serial killer. Oh, <laughs> who was also a chestnut. Satanist. Oh, <laughs> and now he it is continuing. Rad, though I, w I will say that everything that you're telling me, I do love. The and only I'm problem very <laughs> is that by the time that I that I say that they bring him back to life, we're now 44 minutes into the movie. Uh, one of those. It has taken 44 <laughs> minutes to get to this point. Not unlike our Giallo we're talking to. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, okay. And then wow, it's okay. the... He slowly starts to like go after them, and there's you know death and murder and everything, and he has telekinetic <laughs> powers. Oh, so it's kind of interesting. But then all of a sudden, it's following an even younger set of like preteen slash high like uh, freshman year high school kids, and now we're following them for the last half of the movie. All while the parents are also trying to find the kids. 
all while the police officer who's being roped into into doing this because of the uh, some doctor who somehow knows that this serial killer wants to live forever and has ties to Satan. So you have like all these people like converging <laughs> on it. And it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. And then it turns into a zombie is... film at the end. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. That so there's a aggressive. lot. There's a lot going on in here, and it just takes it takes a whole long time to get going. Once it gets going, it's it's interesting, and then it sort of like loses interest, and then picks up interest at the last like twenty ish okay. minutes of it. How but long is this movie? Hour and a half. Oh God! Wow, so much happens. So much. <laughs> so much. Uh, so yeah, I, I think I think of the three movies that I that I saw um, that this guy did. He did this one, um, "Don't Panic" and "Grave Robbers." I think I think you should watch that in that order: "Cemetery of Terror," "Don't Panic," and "The Grave Watchers." If you have these and are interested, if you don't, I would pick up maybe "Grave Robbers" and maybe pass on these two, <laughs> unless you're a completionist like I am. <laughs> Isn't it so funny how we buy those these Blu-rays without like ever watching the movies and then watch them and be like, oh, I own this, I guess. And then we're just happy that we have it. Like, it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, so much, like, boutique genre horror is like, oh, this looks cool, and you buy it. And you're like, do I have, should I watch it? Or should I just pretend that I've watched it and I know that it's good so I don't <laughs> just have it, like, sitting on my shelf? Right. I mean, you know, for for someone, this movie is going to be great. These these. You know, mm-hmm. these this trio of, of films are going to be great. And I'll be honest, I'm I'm glad that I watched them simply because my knowledge of, of Mexican horror cinema is very true. Nil. I mean, like I was trying to honestly think of a Mexican horror film that I've seen other than Tigers and Hot Afraid, because even like mm-hmm. Guillermo del Toro's films, I believe all of his are, are over in are European Spanish. No, he's Mexican. Is he? I thought like his. He is Mexican a lot. Like like um. Because Pan's Labyrinth is head Pan's overseas. Labyrinth is, is in Spain, but I don't think Devil's is, is Devil's back- okay. I don't I, think I, Devil's Backbone is okay. Um, but Pan's Labyrinth takes place during the Spanish Civil War. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he is Mexican. Um, no, Devil's Backbone is in a remote part in Spain during the Spanish Civil War. Oh well. <laughs> Psych. I just looked it up. Huh. Yeah. Well, um, I'm full of shit, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Where does Kronos take place? Veracruz. All right. Well. Yeah, I don't know. I got nothing. I Yeah, because I guess he does have he does. A, he does a lot of stuff about the Spanish Civil War. And like, yeah, horrors of that. But huh. But there really aren't a lot of Mexican horror movies, though. Like, just even if Guillermo del Toro is like considered one, right? I mean, even let's let's consider even if he is considered one, then, um, you know, then it, it's still not a whole lot, right? I mean, I can yeah. count the the filmmakers on on one hand now that I've seen. I think. Yeah, and I might be missing some that I've I've seen before, but like I was try I was racking my brain trying to think of of the last time that um outside of Tigers Are Not Afraid that I've seen, you know, a Mexican horror yeah. movie and um I will I have one recommendation for people who haven't seen like a lot of Mexican horror. It's this anthology film called Mexico Barbaro. Um 
Gigi Saw Guerrero. I'm so sorry. Gigi Saw Guerrero's uh, one of her shorts is in it, and not all of the shorts are amazing, but it gives you a kind of a really cool look at the landscape of horror in Mexican filmmaking. Um, I think, at least, and it's a more recent one. Yeah, she's you know she is someone that um, I, okay. So I take it back because um, she did do the uh, Into the Dark, the Hulu series. She did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. one of those episodes that was actually really good uh, yes. for a series that has been kind of hit or miss. That was actually a really good one. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I saw that at, I, I want to say it was an apocalypse like two years ago. Yeah. I saw it at an apocalypse. And that was actually really good. That was really, really good. I'd like to see more from well, her. Yeah. I'm going off to, and now I'm looking at like movies from, horror movies from Mexico and there really aren't that many. Yeah. And I, I don't honestly know what, what Mexico's uh, film scene really looks like. I'm actually not that familiar either. Oh, they did. We are. What we, okay. We are. What we are. The original is a Mexican horror film that I need to see. Okay. I've not, I've not one. seen that. Have you seen the uh, English version? Mm-mm, I haven't seen either of them. Okay. Cannibals. Cannibals, right? Oh, Beelzebuth. Beelzebuth was Mexican. Oh, yeah. The Untamed, which is very, it's oh. possession. The posse- it's, like a, it's like possession. Yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> the Untamed? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, you've seen it. Okay. Have you seen it? And then, yeah. Oh, The Untamed. I love it. I, I bought it. <laughs> I was like, I don't Did know if you? I'll ever watch this again, but just having this like tentacle porny film. Yeah, you could tell me. that that one definitely was taking like cues from possession. <laughs> have you seen We Are the Flesh? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I have seen that one. Okay, I have not. And I, I'm scared. I didn't like I'm it. a little. I, well, because isn't it just like a lot of like really it's nasty? Really, yeah, it's, it's about like nasty, right? Incest. And I I've barely remember that movie. I just remember the ending because the ending, I was like, what? What the fuck? Okay. Okay. <laughs> cool. I don't know. Some people really, it really re- reacted to it. But like for me, that was, that was not, that was not for me. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe I but, will and maybe I won't. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that was a cemetery of terror. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> went down a rabbit hole <laughs> we sure did but i'm glad we did because like I'm, I'm now realizing that i have seen more because i honestly was like sitting here racking my brain for it and i'm, I'm glad that there's more there needs to be more um yeah oh and anyone listening please recommend us good mexican or any mexican horror movie um yeah let please us know do. what we should be watching and then i know that we both have seen this movie and you alluded to it in our opening. Uh, Psycho Goreman. Oh, what a good movie. So that's out on VOD the day that this is coming Today. out, this episode. Yeah. Um, it is lovely. It's, it's uh, Scarred for Life approved. It's Scarred for Life approved. So, Terry, what is Psycho Goreman about? Let's let everyone know before we just start gushing about it. <laughs> It is about this ancient <laughs> evil who is sort of like Th- Thanos, who has plans to destroy all of civilization across all the galaxies. And he ends up being imprisoned in a, a gem. 
amulet thing that gets yes. disposi- uh, deposited on Earth, and then many, many years later, he is discovered by a very young girl and her brother, who end up basically Harry and the Hendersons, Hendersoning, Hendersons ing. <laughs> he becomes their servant, unwitting servant, and he doesn't like it. It goes from there, and it's a lot of it's, fun. It is so much fucking fun. It's very lo-fi <laughs> with the effects. Um, I was like, that, but that's the thing that the effects are so lo-fi looking, but also really, really well done. Yeah, like the oh my god, the the like the way that um, Kostansky, Brandon Kostansky directed this. He did the Void. He made this ridiculously complicated world for a horror comedy that isn't as hard sci-fi as as he made those puppets look. And it's very interesting that he just like went all in. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, it's it the the monsters are definitely like the the Power Rangers ilk where it's like people in rubber oh, costumes, yeah. but they're like R-rated and gory and fantastic and the actual like death effects when he is ripping people's heads off and people are falling into pieces is actually really really good and it makes like this weird dichotomy between like really explosive and gross and cool uh like gore effects mixed with creatures that if they weren't so r-rated could be in a power rangers movie and it's so it's so delightful it's so delightful. It's so, delightful. it's so dumb. It's so fun. Psycho Gorman is amazing looking, and the person who plays him is hysterical. And oh Mimi, the little girl, is the an little absolute shithead. And I love her. <laughs> I and do they're too. a perfect pair. They are a perfect pair in this movie. It is just so delightful. There are musical numbers. Um, oh, yes, there, there are. is hev- heavy metal dodgeball. Um, there is that. It's just it has everything. It has everything. It's like this. It's a good movie to watch now, I think, because it's guaranteed to make you smile if you like this kind of stuff. And you probably do if you listen to this podcast. It just made me smile. Like, I just forgot about my, my woes for like an hour and a half and just had a bloody good time. Yeah, it's, it's just fun. it's silly good time. It's a lot of fun. It's yeah, I I really really enjoyed it. I would love to talk to uh, Stephen Kostansky. Uh, oh, Stephen Kostansky, just, not Cut Brandon. Oh my god, because <laughs> he just it, it's it's a lot of fun. And I'll be honest, as someone that is not a fan of the Void, I really like this. So if if you're like if you heard the Void and were like, uh, I don't know if I like that movie, this is completely different. I also void. was not a fan of The Void, and I did not know he directed The Void until after I watched it, and I'm glad I did. <laughs> so, yeah, don't worry about that. Um, also, it's very anti-religion, which is very fun. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Weirdly deep in some parts. But yeah, so please, Psycho Gorman, it's uh, on co-directed. VOD today. He co-directed The Void. Co-directed, okay. Um, yeah, because he works at the production company called Astron 6 in Canada, and they they make all the movies that they make are this kind of like level of insanity. Yeah. So those are mine. Okay. And those one of yours. What I want to hear about this Guatemalan horror. Okay. So on the opposite end of the spectrum of Psycho Gorman, we have La Llorona. Um, the, ver- the oh, shutter yeah. version of La Llorona. 
Shutter's La Llorona, which is not the shitty one that came out uh, last year. But this one is by uh, Jairo Bustamante. This is a Guatemalan film about a general who is a war criminal uh, who has committed genocide against the indigenous peoples of Guatemala. Um, he is basically pardoned or like his 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 being sentenced to, you know, oh, yeah, you committed genocide. They overturned the charge and there's these massive protests going on outside of their home. And while they are trapped in their house, um, some weird things are happening mm. when a young woman arrives to their house. So it is. Mwah, it is gorgeous. It is. Very political and very haunting. It's not as it's not the kind of scary you would think. It's not like a lot of like spooky ghost things happening. It's very dread filled. Okay. atmospheric a lot of the the beauty i think comes from these like it, this movie loves its long static shots like it i was thinking of course i was about how it uses such like important elements from found footage like freeze framing not freezing but static shots and like moving around a room very slowly and like things popping up maybe in the back of the like, when you're looking at the image so it's really well done it is scary but again it's it's the way that it has been described and i think similar to like why i talked about Seder, it's like hagazusa vibey like very slow um but terror like but terrifying at the same time so i it's on shutter i would definitely recommend it it's from guatemala i don't like we're just talking about mexican horror there's not a lot of horror that we see coming out of south south and central america and so we I would recommend this movie quite a bit. It's a little, it's sad though. So get ready. Yeah. It's also, it's not just about like a ghost of someone who died, but also like the ghosts of genocide and how it haunts the family members who were like complicit <laughs> in his violence. So yeah, it's heavy. It's heavy. So the thing it's that so um, I, I want to watch this movie and I, I meant to watch it last year when it came out because um, mm-hmm. this is like the third in his, and if it, it's like a trilogy of films mm-hmm. that are exploring like uh, issues in uh, Guatemalan Guatemalan society. So like, mm-hmm. this, so he did. Um, I don't know how to pronounce it. Ixkenul is the very first one, and it's about a marriage of a seventeen-year-old uh, Maria by her parents. And then you have Tremors that came out that is about um, an event. Ev- ev- evangelical father who comes out of the closet and then you have and then you have la llorona and i think la llorona is the only one that is considered horror but like all three are are part of like this trilogy that is exploring societal things within guatemala and so i've i really wanted to watch all three it just seems like daunting (laughs) Yeah, because I don't think these films are long, but I, they're definitely not um, easy to watch. Right. Would not call any of those. Well, La Llorona is de- is difficult to watch. Because um, it's yeah. really sad. I believe it. I have a feeling that all three are deeply, deeply they depressing. They pretty upsetting. It's very heavy set, subject matter in all three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that was... Um, 
that was the big other movie that I watched was La Llorona. And I'm, I slept, I was like, it was on so many people's best of 2020 lists and I, I slept on it. I'm sorry, everybody. Well, I was just going to ask you now that you've seen it, would it, would it have made it on your top 10? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Which I hate saying because it makes me so sad I didn't see it. But again, it's an arbitrary top 10 list. Like it doesn't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter, but it it is absolutely gorgeous and it deserved all the praise that it got and it deserves more praise because again, like Shudder is killing it with bringing movies like this to, you know, Western or like more like to the U.S. audiences that are, Mm -hmm. you know, getting more attention to those filmmakers. So. Well, there you go, folks. Uh, Like (laughs) if you really liked Mary Beth's list last year. Go watch this movie because that, I mean, that, that right there sells it, you know, that it would have been on your top 10. It, yeah, exactly. Um, so that aside. Taking a completely different direction again. Would you call it a wrong turn? Oh, my God. Uh, I would, actually. And I'm, I'm groaning because I didn't get to say it first. <laughs> And boy, this was a wrong turn. Okay, so this was wrong turn for Bloody Beginnings. Yeah. Bloody Beginnings. Came out in 2011 from the same director who did the third one. Left for Dead. Well, I, you know, it's funny because I was wondering at the, at the end of the third one how they were going to do another one since uh, the main evil character ends up dying at the end of the third one which doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean anything in this in this franchise or in a slasher <laughs> franchise but like i was like oh well they've killed off uh three toes i think three toes three fingers i can't keep them straight three fingers they killed three fingers <laughs> so i was like oh so what are they gonna do with how are they gonna bring it back for the fourth one well they don't they go back <laughs> they to the <laughs> very beginning in the same <laughs> asylum where the three brothers are being held with a bunch of other deformed uh, people, I guess. Yeah, they seem to to hint that like there's so many inbreds around there that they have them all in an estate. <sighs> yeah, that was the vibe I got. Although they do make a point that it is a sanitarium, not a sanatorium. So, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, get it, get it straight with with these wrong turn movies, and that is uh, for the medical treatment of people who are convalescing or have a chronic illness. But they definitely are portrayed as, they, as being insane in this. Yeah, like yeah, uh huh. They're in they're in like jail cells. <laughs> yeah, like solitary jail cells. Yeah. So, uh, Except for mm, the three of them, for some reason. So, yeah. So the okay, the opening <laughs> is, really is cool. so good. It's so fucking cool. So the entire movie is about like a group of teenagers in the snow who end up at this old sanitarium place where they were keeping the brothers um, in the middle of a snowstorm, and it's that's pretty cool. But leading up to this is this amazing opening sequence. A, when the sanitarium was not run down and abandoned and boy oh boy is it a bloodbath <laughs> it is and you know it has it has a kind of lightheartedness to it well what's the song they play 
while they're you doing? Know, I tried to Shazam it and I couldn't pick it up, but it is like. Is it a classic? It is song? Blue Danube Waltz. Uh, yes. Number 314 by Strauss. Yes. Yes. And they um, basically escape their cells, they being the patients. And wow, they really go to town on the doctors. Oh my god, the one big doctor gets drawn and quartered with barbed wire. And that was yeah. both like really well done and also really gross. <laughs> yeah, so like the opening scene is really nasty and mm-hmm. I was like, "All right, all right, this is repulsive, but like I can in a good way. I dig it." And I was like, "Okay, okay." But we also have seen in every wrong turn movie that it always opens with like some cool like kill sequence and then goes yeah, I mean here there. it does go cut to a bunch of uh, college students fucking including an interracial lesbian couple like yes you go you could, to 2011 that, straight, straight to blu-ray DVD horror film <laughs> can't say that they didn't bring in the representation in one couple who uh, the lesbian couple are having sex next to a straight white couple um, because they just all love to fuck so much they don't care that they <laughs> are all in the same room in, together. someone comes in, a girl walks in the room and says, you guys are a bunch of slut monkeys. <laughs> I was dying slut monkeys. <laughs> and then she gets uh, invited into the pile and she's like, no, I don't think so. But I'm like... <laughs> You're all a bunch of slut monkeys. <laughs> most 2011 thing i've ever heard um oh geez and it again (laughs) it kind of goes it goes downhill from there it's the thing is like it was not in the snow enough at all that was my big complaint is that this is this is not a winter it it does take place in winter but this is not the winter horror film that i was either i thought i was being promised this is right? a sanitarium horror film like this is them What's... stuck in a sanitarium for 90 percent of the movie like there's a cool scene in the snow at the end the end is great when they're back in the snow yeah it has a really funny little movie fuck you at the very end which i love oh my god <laughs> i love um uh, but yeah like it's mostly inside which is pretty lame yeah, you know, there there are some parts, and I'm not really sure if they were trying to go for comedy or not, but there were some parts in this that had me laughing out loud. Like, there's a part where one of their friends is being um, filleted alive, and that's not the <laughs> hilarious part. The hilarious part, like, that makes me sound really sick, but the hilarious part <laughs> is the fact that, there, that he is screaming consistently for... Ah, would you say like three or four minutes like pretty much yeah and like it's like screeching for help the friends can hear him and they are arguing over whether they should stay or go and help him as this poor person is being filleted alive and i'm just sitting here like laughing at their indecision of whether uh, is he do we do we go help him uh, do, do we go do, do we well, stay and- up here Meanwhile, he's screaming, he's screaming and the cannibals are making fondue <laughs> out of his flesh. 
They literally are scraping off his skin and then dipping it into a hot bucket of oil and frying it on little forks. <laughs> cannibal fondue. That was literally the only note I wrote down in all caps was cannibal fondue for this movie. Like I had other thoughts, but that one was the first one. I was like, I have to remember this forever. Cannibal fondue. Yeah. Cannibal fondue. This is the wrong turn issue of great beginning, great ending, cool kills, it, no, nothing. Like, it, acting is just nothing. It's oh, my God. I had bad. to write down this line. There's one character in it that he's like, they're hunters, and now they're hunting us. They'll eat anything. Fuck. They probably turned Porter into a porterhouse by now. Yes. Like, I- <laughs> how I'm saying so- this is how he says the line. <laughs> like, it is literally just like... They'll eat anything. Fuck. They probably turned Porter into a porterhouse by now. Like, and, like that is how he's emoting. And they don't linger on the joke. And they don't linger on the joke either. I was like, did he just call it a porterhouse steak? And I like, I thought that was kind of funny in, like, once I processed the joke, but it didn't happen for a bit because the guy, like you said, they're turning him into a porterhouse. And like, it's <laughs> just is that terrible. So if this line was written, it's like, they'll eat anything. Fuck. They're probably turned him into a porterhouse right now, you know, but he's like, they'll eat anything. Fuck. They probably turned Porter into a porterhouse by now. Like, you could almost feel like he was reading from cue cards. <laughs> him and his fucking Rob Thomas hair. Like, everyone in this, in this movie's hair. I'm just like, what is going on? What is going on right now? What Were, were people in the 2011, were we okay? No. Like, That's what? when I graduated from high school. <laughs> Oh God! I was not okay. I was not okay. So, <laughs> uh. but I, I guess just like I enjoy, I, I had an okay time watching it. Yeah. Like, again, like I'm. So where would you not put mad this? about it? Um, in our very controversial <laughs> list. Yeah, damn, we fucking <laughs> we fucking got canceled over this one. <laughs> uh, yeah, we did. I don't understand. So. We had two, three, one, right? I think yeah. I would put four. I would put four. Uh, <laughs> I want to get canceled. I'm scared. I'm overthinking this. I'm really overthinking this like too much. Um, I think I would put four between one and three. Okay. So, so better than, better than three. The only reason I say that it's better than three is because of like the open. <sighs> I'm doubting everything. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna say by it. four goes in front of three. Four goes in okay. front of three. This is what I, I am, this is my my words. Um, I am a two, four, three, and then one. Okay. Only because. <sighs> Only because I think it's very hard to rank these because they're not that good. So you're like, so how do I I I qualify any of this order? (laughs) I was in a chat with with uh, Trace and Joe last night and they're like, I can't believe you thought that that three was was good. And I was like, "Uh, mm, let's let's (sighs) back this up here. We're talking wrong turn. We are not talking like I am ranking the Scream series or, you know, Elm Street series. This isn't exactly like the top tier of horror franchises. So saying that I liked these movies is a little bit of a stretch. (laughs) It's also insulting. (laughs) It's a little bit of a stretch. 
Okay, so what is their opinion on wrong turn? I didn't ask. I should have. I meant to ask them. Like, okay, so tell me, like, why should I like two better? I think a lot of people just like two because it's funny, or they think it's. A lot of people think it's funny. Poop jokes. (laughs) Shit ghost. I just can't. I just can't get over Uh, that. I can't get over the shit ghost joke. So I, I was. I've been thinking about this, and I honestly think that the reason why I don't like two at all is because it was such a drop like the drop in quality from one into two in terms of like the way it's filmed is incredibly obvious and so like it was it was like it surprised the hell out of me and i'm like oh this is definitely a release to to dvd quality movie of like the early aughts and then three was like filmed better (laughs) and so and i hate saying that because i do i love (laughs) I love the director of two. Mayhem is a really good movie. I know a lot of people love Joe Lynch and I hate saying, but like, I do think that three and four were filmed better than two was in terms of lighting, in terms of cinematography, in terms of the look of the film. I think they were filmed better. And that is why they are marginally better in my view. I feel like we're going to get absolutely wrecked oh, for these the opinions. Fact that two is is like right now at the very bottom of the list. Yeah, we are. If you're not going to get canceled for something, might as well be fucking wrong turn. If this is what I'm going to get canceled for, then that's fine. I'll get canceled, canceled for, for that. Okay, so looking at like the ranks and kings on the internet, it seems that one is is almost always number one. Two yeah. is at number two. Six is n- number three. Really? And then it, yeah. Three is at number five on this one. Oh my god. Oh my god, we are <laughs> going against the grain. Yeah. Um, apparently five is terrible though, so I'm excited. No, for that. that is what I've heard. I've heard that our next film, when we watch it, is not gonna be good. <laughs> I think they filmed it like back to back, and I don't think he had funding, is basically what I'm hearing. <laughs> oh, this one has not has says that uh the third Left for Dead, third wrong turn is the worst movie of this franchise. <laughs> so, um. Oh, this one has the second one as the best one. Oops. 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 A lot of people love it. A lot of people love it. I just I hated it. I hated it. I just so thought much. the characters were insufferable and I didn't think it looked good. <laughs> well, um, on that. <laughs> I don't I don't even know how to transition on that note speaking of I don't I don't know yeah, and I don't have I a story nothing. this week I got I got no fun transition to talk about this next movie so what are we talking about Mary Beth we're talking about the corruption of Chris Miller yes we are and we have two different giallo, opinions but of it. not really <laughs> yes and we have, I think, two different opinions on this movie. So, what is this about? Okay, so this is a. This came out in 1973. It is directed by Juan Antonio Bardem. This is from Spain, and uh, so the long and short of it is, a young woman and her stepmother suspect their handyman may be a scythe wielding killer. Um, that's not what the movie is about. <laughs> the no. synopsis says it is not. It is about a woman, her stepdaughter, and a random guy who have a weird psychosexual love triangle, and then a scythe wielding killer comes in for like about five minutes. 
if that. I mean, it's a really cool scene. The his the murder it's a scene really cool is scene. vicious as fuck. Uh, but, but it again comes when there are forty minutes left in the movie. Yeah, it is almost two hours long. Yeah, yes, it is. Uh, I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> this is, might be one of my new favorite movies. <laughs> I know when you said that, I was like, "Oh wow, that's." I, I think that's awesome. I I don't have the same opinion, but you know what I think. <laughs> I don't. I don't have the same opinion, but I respect your opinion. <laughs> no, I do respect your opinion. I, no, I know. Here, so the thing is, is that like I think I I, I think this is a movie that I need to watch again because mm-hmm. you know when you go into the movie and the the, the the synopsis is about a scythe wielding you know killer on the loose and it's not at all about that. I kept waiting for him to show up, and so it made the first mm, hour and twenty minutes incredibly long for me because I was not expecting this to be a gothic psychosexual romance that happened to have brief moments of murder. <laughs> and so I was really I, I think I was I was expecting something that I wasn't given. So I think that now okay. that I know that, I kind of want to watch it again um, down the line and reappraise my feelings of it because I think that there's some really good stuff in it. I just was like waiting for the scythe killer to show up and start (laughs) killing people. Fair enough. But what I got was a psychosexual weird movie about a woman suffering from PTSD with a stepmother who hates men, but also is really horny. And, Mm. um, but like horny in like a bad way because also she wants to have sex with her else, uh, stepdaughter but it it's this really weird gothic psychosexual love triangle that has a lot to say about mental illness and women's relationship with each other and men and i also i thought it was just really really fascinating and cool to watch and fucked up to watch 100 percent. but i was so into it like i just thought it was so gene seberg plays the stepmom um she's yeah, everything. she does she is so good have you do, so do, do you know anything about gene seberg um i, I know oh, that Kristen hole. stewart played her in a movie called seberg <laughs> i went down a rabbit hole because she in the like the the late 60s she was uh providing financial support to civil rights groups such as the naacp oh. And Native American school groups and uh, famously gave money to the Black Black Panther Party Mm. and the FBI ruined her life. No shit. They used um, the Cointelpro. I don't know how to pronounce it. Cointelpro operation to harass, intimidate, defame and discredit her. They said that when she was pregnant with a kid and they said that the baby was... um, was fathered not by her husband, but by um, some member of the Black Panther Party. She had a miscarriage and she ended up having an open casket uh, funeral so that people could see that the baby was not black, that the baby was white to disprove. (gasps) She ended up spending most of the 70s blacklisted from Hollywood 
Um, and I think that's one of the reasons she made this movie because in her biography, she mentions that, that she, the only reason she took on a lurid role was, was for the money because I think that she was having financial problems from the seventies due to this. And then she ended up committing suicide question mark in a car where her body was discovered nine days later. Oh my God. What the fuck? So that explains why she seems so goddamn sad the whole movie. Yes, (laughs) Yes, because <laughs> this would have like been deeply, deeply sad. Yeah, because this would have been because um, the I th- I think that like the I think in 1970 was when. Um, oh, she, no, she didn't miscarry. She gave birth to the baby and the and the child died two days later. Um, That's but it was awful. a premature label and that was labor and that was in 1970. <laughs> so this was like filmed just a couple years after that. And I think that, like, for, based on what I've what I've read, her husband um, said that she was deeply depressed after everything was going on and being blacklisted from Hollywood. So, I mean, it's it. Her story is really, it's really sad. <laughs> There's no That's other so way to say upsetting. it. But yeah, I was not expecting to see that when I clicked on her name in Wikipedia oh and went down God. like a rabbit hole of of this poor woman. It was ruined. I had no fucking idea. I should have. Wow. That is awful. Yeah. Wow. That makes this movie even darker because the things that she does in this movie are uh, whack. No, the the, the line when she says that uh, when she is talking about um, that one day her ex-husband will come back to get... uh, his his daughter her stepdaughter and she says he'll find her very much changed and then we'll be even like whoa that moment was like a mic drop moment for me i was like oh okay it is wow the end of the movie is really good though the ending is so good everything about everything about this movie is just like so weird and cool and there's a slow motion stabbing that's really cool and it's just women and the the guy the handyman that stays there is like he's really i think he's really attractive and there's a moment where uh chris the main the main uh one of the main women like is like with him and she like takes his hand and puts it on her neck and i'm like girl same (laughs) (laughs) i literally wrote that in my note girl same Same. it's a very sexy movie like in a gross way like it makes you feel Mm -hmm. kind of dirty for thinking it's sexy but everyone's really hot and everyone's just like really attracted to each other chris miller who has attempting to be corrupted is so hot and so traumatized oh my god she is gorgeous she is so traumatized and it is she really is deeply upsetting but also really in in, in a fucked up 1970s kind of way interesting to see how it was interpreted on screen spoiler alert uh just briefly because it made me laugh so hard when the killer when you find out the killer and and their motive he basically says what having horses is expensive i was i texted terry horse boy always sus like what 
It's expensive to cure. Oh my god! I about died. Like it is so good. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Um, and to add to the ridiculous vibe of this movie, I got a very interesting text message while I was watching this movie. Oh my god! Yes, you did. So okay, watching this movie, it's very sexual. It's very weird. I get a text from a number that I don't know. And it just says, hey. And I was like, all right, whatever. It's just a random text. I will ignore it. And then not, not merely, merely 10 seconds later, the person sent me another text. And it was a photo of herself with no shirt on. A nude. I was sent a nude by a random a nude, person. A nude. I have never say. received a nude like this before. It was very strange. And the timing was impeccable strangely apt i'm like were you watching me like what are you doing so i got um a titty pick while i was watching this movie and it was very strange i was texting terry i was like terry he's got a titty pick while i'm watching the corruption of chris miller what is going on <laughs> and i told her i was like i had to like reread it briefly because i immediately went unfortunately to like her getting a dick pic because like let's be honest on the internet that seems like a more apt thing to be receiving than a titty pick. <laughs> I just, I hope that that person realized it was the wrong number. They haven't said anything else. So like, I don't know what's going on. I was going to ask you if they were like, hello. They never got anything. <laughs> so, um, yeah, wow. that's weird. Like icing on top of the weird sexy cake, huh? Yeah. <laughs> wow. So yeah, I, I, you know, I do think. I do think that I probably do like this movie. It's just I it's not what I I thought I was signing up for in the beginning. Fair. So I do want to watch it again. And like now that I know what it is about and reevaluate it, because like I know you really like it. Uh, Drew really likes it. A lot of people on the Internet really like this movie. And I think it's just expectations. It, I, I, I think that this should not be marketed as a giallo. I'm just going to put that out there. I think yeah. just calling it a giallo sets it up expectations, maybe saying influenced by giallo, but I think calling it a flat out giallo is like doing it, its own marketing a disservice. But that was the uh, the corruption of, of Chris Miller and the corruption of Mary Beth McAndrews with um, Woo, but titty picks. random titty pick. Yeah. So, um, you know, that does it for this week's uh, mini-sode. But before we wrap up, Terry, who are we talking to on Monday? We are talking to Gory Corey herself uh, about a lesser-known R.L. Stein movie. Well, I, I say lesser-known, but I, I when I when I posted that I that I saw this movie, a lot of youngins um, <laughs> really like this one, and <laughs> it's uh, R.L. Stein's "The Haunting Hour." Don't think about it. And so that is our Monday episode, and I'm really excited because it, it's actually a really good conversation, and yeah. I like learning about what is scaring this next generation of kids. Yeah, it was a really cool conversation. So the movie is something. The conversation is great. So yeah. <laughs> and then um, okay, so because Terry and I are covering Sundance next week, um, we're not going to do a little cuts episode because we're not going to have time to watch a wrong turn and a giallo and record and edit. So um, we're taking next week off for little cuts only. We'll still have a main episode. And then we'll be back that next Friday to talk about our Sundance faves. So we'll do no episode next com this coming Friday and then a Sundance episode. And then we'll be back to our regular scheduled program um, after that. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, 
at this point, I don't know if we can call this particular episode a mini-sode, because... I know, fuck. <laughs> I'm going to probably have to cut a lot out of this, because we just, like, went on, like, tangents about the dumbest shit. Oops. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> Oopsie. I think it's fun, though. Yeah, it is fun. It's more loosey-goosey. <laughs> very, very Yes, I just said loosey-goosey. <laughs> Um, so, well, we're really excited for covering Sundance. Uh, it's our, I think it's both of our first Sundance it dances, is. even though we're covering it from our couches, but it's very exciting. So and we're watching we're so many a lot movies. Of, so, oh my God. So Pray many for movies. Us. Pray for our brains. Please it's do. It's not even the watching. It's the writing. Like Terry is saying this before we are recording. It's like watching them isn't the hard part. It's the having to formulate cohesive thoughts that you have to publish on the internet. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> Quickly, too. Quickly. 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 <laughs> um, but that aside, everyone, you've heard from us, but we want to hear from you. Did you watch a film that we talked about and you have some thoughts? Do you have some suggestions for movies we should talk about, particularly Mexican horror films that I would love yes, to watch please. more of? Um, send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you to everyone for listening. Stay safe out there, but most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>